Well, good morning and welcome to Victory Faith today. We're so excited to have you here. Uh, this is the last Sunday in this series, and I'm very excited to be bringing this word today because it is so important to the faith that we live. We live in active faith, and we have to move forward with that active faith. And um, I'm going to be talking about that today, but one thing I want to share with you today, too, is those of you who have kiddos in our kids' ministry, we are moving forward in taking care of them, protecting them, giving them even more safety than we already have. Uh, if you have kids in the nursery or in the preschool, we are starting in this week, actually, to have a check-in system on an iPad, which is super cool. It's awesome. And what we'll do is we'll check those kids in, and I get, they get a little name tag, and then I get this, which is awesome. No one can get my baby without this, and you are going to have to kill me to get this. So don't even try it, because you ain't going to kill me. These guys will come and protect me. So I have this, and then it's also cool because it's an easy situation where if your baby's crying or you're having a hard time, uh, they can text you super easy through that, that technology. And we're trying to make things easier and safer for kids all the time. There's also an app you can download called Church Center in your app store. Check that out. Uh, you can pre-check your kids in before you even get here, and it's fancy. It's awesome. I do it. It's fun. Um, like I said, we're in this series about the church is, and we've been talking about all these different descriptions of what the church is called to do, and we've been talking about a lot of things that we can do, we can go out and do things, but one of the most important parts is our faith. How do we grow our faith in Jesus? How do we strengthen ourselves in this? And right now is an interesting time in history. We have... All of our normal stuff that's going on, all of the difficult things that are going on, all the struggles that we normally have. We have busy schedules. We don't like our job. We don't like our boss. We don't like the people we work with. We've talked about that. You can go back and listen to all those messages and like learn how to be an employer and an employee and all that stuff. But how do we respond to these things? Right now, we also have mental health crisis going out the window. It's crazy right now. Everything that was bad before is worse now. The statistics show it's just going rampant. And I believe, I don't have an exhaustive research study here right now. You can get that later. But what I have is a starting point for you to be able to start battling against these difficult scenarios that you have going on in your life. Whatever they are, you have weapons that you can fight against these things going on in your life. We are at war. And what I want to make sure that you don't hear is... We are not at war with any person, okay? Look into that. Read into it if you want to. We are not at war with a person. We are not at war with another country. We're not at war with a people group. We are not at war with another church or another theology. We're not at war with any of that stuff. You have to be able to look at people and love people. We are at war with a spiritual enemy, we are at war with the spiritual enemy, and one of the things he does, I'm just thinking of this, is he gets us to go at war with each other. When you start hating a people group or a person or a president, whichever one you hate, I won't go on. I'm not going to keep going. I know my boundaries. You Don't hate the president. Don't hate political party. Pray for your president. Pray for your president. 
I can't even imagine the pressures. I mean, I'm a pastor of a church, and there's enough pressure in that. Pray for your president. How do we do this, though? You're thinking right now, there's no way I can do that. And you're probably right. You have no ability to do these things because we are so bound by ourselves. We are unable to do things that are outside of our capacity. But number one today is it's by God's strength, not ours. And there's a lot to that. But you have to know that before you can start that. It's by God's strength, not ours. If that, that has to be your filter. You look at these scenarios in your life and you're like, I can't do this. I'm completely overwhelmed by this and there's nothing I can do inside of me. I can't. But if I can figure out how to give this to God, if I can figure out how to lean into him and allow him to take this, I know I can. Ephesians 6.10 says, Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus, your relationship with him. Stand victorious, victory faith, let's go, with the force, the weapons of his explosive power flowing in you and through you. Let me pray today. God, we thank you that you are in this place. We've gone before and we've prayed and we've, we've ex- accepted your presence. We've invited your presence and I know you're here today, God. I ask that you move in the hearts of everyone here today. Move in my heart today, Lord, in your name, amen. And I'm gonna go into this a little bit more. Number two, it's a little bit longer. We aren't fighting people, we're fighting a spiritual enemy. This one is so important that it gets its own point today because this is where we get hung up. Whether it's a family member, a church member, another church, again, the president, we'll keep going on that one. Your hate for a person is going to keep you from what God wants to do most in you. If you can find freedom from that, you will find freedom in your life. Ephesians 6, 11 through 12, put on God's complete set of armor. We're going into these verses today. It's like I, I got this message and it's like the softball of messages. It's the armor of God. He wants to give you armor and he wants to give you weapons to fight. And sometimes we go and do our own weapons. We find our own weapons, our piercing words and, and stuff like that. Again, in verse 11, so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms, for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. We're not in a war against each other. Yes, people will make you mad. People will mess up. I will mess up. I'll probably say something today that's going to frustrate you a little bit. But that's not between me and you. That's between you and God. That's between me and God. We've got to take that to him. And there may be scenarios, and it's in the Bible. It says if there's seriously some sin that's happening or if there's something between you and another person that really needs to get worked out, this is, this is an iPad. This is not a Bible. But the Bible 
has the playbook for that. You go and talk to the person. We talk to them. And then there's other things after that. If you need to do that, you need to do that. But we have to run the play. Football's back, so we're talking about football now. Let's go. Go Colts. <laughs> Some of you guys may not make it into heaven based on your team choice. What are our weapons in this spiritual battle, though? By the way, I'm kidding, okay? Just, I don't want that to be the thing that I get to talk about later on, right? Like, don't, don't email, like, if you need to, that's fine, but please know my heart. <laughs> uh, God provides these weapons, though. These are the weapons that we get to use. And only one of them is a true weapon. The rest of them are body armor. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But these are the weapons that we have to get good at. These, this is the playbook. This is the playbook on how to fight against the enemy. Number three, God provides the weapons. Ephesians 6.13 says, because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. That's your destiny. That is where you can go. And you will if you follow these things. And this is where I'm going to camp out a little bit. The first one is truth. A is truth. I hate all the points, but you kind of have to sometimes. A is truth. Ephesians 6.14 says, Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Don't let your pants fall down, right? Put your belt on. Let's go. Truth, this is interesting. Truth is actually reality. So if you are prescribing to what you think is truth that's outside of what the Bible says, that's not true reality, we have to prescribe to what God says, and honestly, we have to do our very best to learn what the Bible is saying and follow what it says and live by what it's saying because that is the truth and that is the reality that God has given us. If you've watched any of the new Marvel movies, it's like all these different realities and stuff, and it kind of makes your head spin a little bit, but God has a reality that we live in, and that is in the Bible. Anything outside of this truth is not real. When we live by the truth that God gave us, the true reality, it sets us free. It sets us on a path of freedom. God didn't give us rules for us to follow and religiously worship the rules. He actually gave the rules so that we could be set free. He gave us the rules so that we could be served by them, not for us to serve the rules. It's not a checklist. It's not all this stuff. But he gave us these things so that we could live a life of freedom. The second one is holiness. This is one where we're, as a church, we're going to camp out in this area for a little while because we believe that as a church, we need to move into a place of holiness. And this word holiness, I'll read it in a second. Um, 
I'll read the verse first. Ephesians 6, 14, it says, put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. It's, it, it's purity. Holiness is separating yourself from the world. Now, there are denom- whole denominations that read this verse and say, I have to separate myself from people. And that, that's the scariest thing that you could be a part of. The world, the interpretation should be sin. Separate yourself from sin. Pull yourself away from sinful actions, sinful desires. Think about it for yourself right now. What is the world that you need to separate yourself from? Is it lust? Is it anger? Is it greed? I could keep listing out things. What is it for you? And then you have to say, okay, that is the sin that I have to separate myself from. This is the most difficult one for a preacher to preach and for a congregation to follow and listen. Because, oh, he's talking about this again. He's telling me to run away and do all these things. No, I'm saying for you individually, don't listen to anyone else tell you that you have to do this or that. You specifically have to know yourself well enough and find what that is in your life and say, I've got to take three, I can't just take one step away from that. I got to take three steps away from that. I have to get as far away from it as I possibly can. And you can't go and judge someone else. If someone in here says, hey, I don't watch any R-rated movie that has this, this, or this in it. Don't judge that person because they've decided that for themselves because they have to stay away from that. We have to encourage each other to live a life of holiness and purity. We have to if we want to fight this war. Put three or four steps in between that thing. If, it has to, if you have to get rid of your TV, get rid of the TV. That's tough for some of us. Like, whatever the idol is, get it out. Just get rid of it. C is peace. This is my favorite one. I won't go into too much detail on why it is because it's confusing, but um, peace is so important, I believe. Uh, Ephesians 6.15, stand on your feet alert. This isn't some passive peace. This is where I I get messed up sometimes. I think of peace as some passive thing like, okay, I'm going to sit down, put my headphones in, don't anyone bother me. And that is how I naturally define peace. That is not peace. That is solitude and quiet. And that's a good thing too sometimes, but that is not peace. There is an inner peace when you have faith in Jesus, when you have a faith in Jesus and you know that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens today, no no matter what happens tomorrow to my family, to me, whether I die today or not, I know that I'm spending eternity with Christ. I'm going to heaven. I'm, I'm with him. That is an inner peace that no one can take away from you. That is a peace that you can't even describe. That's a peace that only God can give you. It's an inner peace. And then there's an active peace. Most of the time, you are not going to be in situations where it is going to be peaceful. Some of you work in very, very, very high-stress jobs. Some of you work in extremely, well, let's say live with crazy kids, right? You have these little kids running around all over the place, and there's no such thing as this solitude and silence all the time. Now, when they go to bed, take advantage of it, okay? And if they don't go to bed, figure that out. Make them go to bed. (laughs) 
Make them go to bed. Don't lock the doors, though. Don't, don't do that. But you, yourself, have this inner peace living inside of you, and then you take that inner peace, and you, that's where it becomes active. You take it into your job. You take it into the, the gym. You take it wherever you go, and you are the peace for other people then. People who know nothing about God, they don't know. They're going to be like, what in the world? Like, they just got in a car accident, and they're getting out of the car, and they don't seem frazzled. Now, it's okay to, you know, I'm not saying you have to be perfect in this situation. I'm just using this as a scenario. But you are going to be a peaceful person to those around you. And that is an inner peace that we can't describe, but it actually becomes an active peace to other people. You can go into high-stress situations and do things that other people cannot do. And you need to be able to show that to them and bring that to them. And this is where stress and anxiety gets in the way, right? Stress, anxiety, depression, we allow our thoughts, and I know this well because I struggle with this, we allow our thoughts to dominate, and we think that we have to control the situation. But guess what? God is in control of the situation. We can prepare as much as we can, but once we get to the point where we're frazzling ourselves, thinking about all the different scenarios and trying to figure out exactly the best way to do it, we have to stop. We have to allow God to be on the throne and allow him to take control, work in progress. You can be the peace for people. The next one is faith. In every battle, Ephesians 6, 16, in every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. A constant outlook of trust and dependence towards God. This is where faith comes in. It's a constant outlook on trusting God for your scenario. In my prayer time this morning, I was praying over this, and some, some things that we do as a church that a lot of us do that are things, acts of faith that are kind of ritualistic sometimes, Sabbath. Taking a Sabbath, taking a day off is, to me, in my life, one of the greatest acts of faith that I do. Because I'm saying, I can take this whole day off and not do anything, and God is still going to be on the throne. He's still going to get things done. He's still going to be God. This church is still going to run. Like, it's still going to be okay. And I'm saying, I'm doing it. And then the tithe. Again, the tithe. It makes no sense to our logical mathematical brains that I can give 10%, some of you give above and beyond that, and then your life is still, in most cases, more blessed after you give that 10% than before. You're able to do more. And the real, the real trick with that is you're more content. You're more content on what you have then than what you have before. You're more content because your life isn't revolving around your finances anymore. God wants to do something amazing through faith. Those are two examples. You probably have more. You probably can find more in your life. But acts of faith are important. And then salvation. Ephesians 6, 17 through 18 says, Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance, like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. 
I believe it's so important that we win this war in our mind, too. God wants to help us win a war in our mind, and that comes from knowing God. If we want to win the war in our mind, we have to continually know God at a deeper level as much as we possibly can, and we have to continually fight against whatever it is that's going on in our life. Deliverance from the power and effects of sin. Whatever the sin is that you naturally struggle with in your life, that is what you have to fight against the most. And one of the quick tools that I've used even is I've taken scripture from the Bible. I've taken verses that talk about the things that I struggle with the most. And in seasons of my life, I put them in on little note cards and I just put them in my pocket. And when I start struggling with those thoughts, I pull those verses out and I just read through them. Just re- I mean, it's boring. It's like... It's hard work sometimes. It's that grit that you have to have in faith sometimes. You can't just, it's not going to be one of those things you can just walk out the door and just be perfectly fine every day. You've got to fight against this stuff. Some of our faith is white knuckling and just gritting and getting it done. I talk a lot about not having to do that. But these types of things, we have to fight against the things that are trying to captivate our mind. We can fight against these things. And then this is the best one because it's actually truly the only physical weapon that's in this list, and it's the Bible. Ephesians 6, 17 through 18. The rest of them are protective. This one is offensive. Ephesians 16, 17, 18. It says, it take, and take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the, of the spoken word of God. This is a sword. This is the thing we go to battle with. I'm not left-handed, so I'm going to get it in my right hand. And I'm, if I had a sword right now, I, would know not what, I wouldn't know what to do with it. It'd probably be too heavy. I'd just drop it. But we have the word of God that is a sword for us to fight. We can fight against what's happening. And, and honestly, you can't have this list of things. You can't, how do you know truth? How do you know what holiness is? How do you know what peace is? How do you know what faith is? How do you know what salvation is? Without the word of God, we have to implement the word of God in our life. And this is why one of the main things we focus on going into 2022 is making sure that people are equipped with a Bible reading plan. We do it online through Version. It's awesome. But we spend time, and there are 25 of us, I think, in that group online. If you want it, I'll send it out later. But you can join us and be a part of that. If you don't know what the Bible says, it's really, really, really hard to live what the Bible says. That's where we have to start. If I would have done this in in order, I would have put the Bible first saying, okay, after you have the Bible, after you have your sword, you could do these things. But in reality, you have to start with the Bible to be able to do the things that we have to do to fight against the, the enemy that we have against us. And he wants to fight against us all the time. He wants to kill us. He wants to do everything. It's a collection of 66 books inside, maybe it's inside your phone right now. It's inside of a book that's about this big. And there's an Old Testament and a New Testament, and the whole story is about Jesus. It's talking about how Jesus wants to come into your life. He wants to save you from the sinful, destructive life the spiritual enemy that wants to destroy us. He wants to save us from that. And there's only one thing that can give us salvation, and that's a perfect spotless lamb dying, sacrificing on the cross. 
and that was Jesus Christ, and he did that for us, and he changed our reality at that moment, and now we can live in freedom and experience everything that he's saying that we can, we can experience. This is, the Bible is God-breathed. Human beings wrote it down, but God was speaking to them and through them in ways that we can never understand. We can't be a part of that. We can't write that. That's something that he did at a specific time in history. And it's an amazing thing that we can continue to benefit from. The written word of God is the greatest weapon against the enemy. And if, I, if you're here today and you don't have a Bible, we will buy you a Bible. We will get you a Bible. We have Bibles available for you. Again, you can get them on your phone now too. You can check that out on version, but you have to start somewhere. Join us in our Bible reading plan. It's really, really cool. We go on there, we read a New Testament passage every day, and then some of us go on and we chat about it. We write it in a, in a comment section, and we get to see other people's perspectives. It's one of the best things that I've been able to do this year. Get on version. bye. Number three. Number three today, prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. In our, in our Sunday morning prayer time this morning, I shared with people that if you, in your life, feel like you have no hope, if you feel like you're so desperate that there is nothing else out there, then your filter in life needs to change to this third point. Prayer changes everything. I even shared one thing that I've heard people say over my entire life, and I'm a pretty hopeful, positive person for the most part, in most things. People say that people cannot change. And I've always battled against that. I say, nope, I believe people can change. I grew up going to church. I saw people change. And then I realized, okay, they're right. People can't change. I grew up around people who were having their lives changed because of the miraculous work of God. It was normal to me. It's a normal day-to-day thing. People cannot change without the miracle work of God in their life. God is the one who changes things. And usually, if people change outside of the work of God, it's probably from principles that God put in the Bible. God wants to change your life. And he will do that through prayer. Maybe someone's praying for you right now. I would guess there probably is someone praying for you right now. Whatever it is that you are experiencing right now in your life that is totally overwhelming to you, you cannot take it anymore. He wants to come in and he wants to change your life because someone's praying for you. Someone is coming to him and talking to him on behalf of you. Ephesians 6, 17 through 18 says, pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Simply put, prayer is communicating with God. It's so simple. You know, you come to a church service or a prayer service and you hear someone who's been a Christian for 30, 40, 50 years and you're like, my goodness, that person can pray. God's probably listening to them. Probably not me, but but guess what? He listens to you. He's listening to you. He's listening to your cries to him. You don't have to say things in a certain way in order to get him to be a genie and listen to you. 
I mean, I don't know how to say it any clearer. He just, he listens to you. Whatever your heart cry is, he wants to be there with you. And at that point, when you are praying, he changes things. He moves things. He changes the atmosphere. Each piece of, of item, everything that comes before this is put on with prayer. It's the filter. It's the, it's the thing that happens in, in every single one of these steps. The truth, the holiness, every single one of them is filtered through prayer. They're put on with prayer. We can't just have truth without prayer. We have to have truth and prayer. It's communication with God. We have to have that. If we're trying, this is the way it works out in my, my thoughts. Some people try to do truth without prayer and it's, it's harsh, it's mean, and it's, it's horrible sometimes. And, and a lot of times that's why people don't like going to church. If we try to do these things without prayer, we're losing the touch of what God is actually trying to do through them. He wants to change your life. He wants to work in you. He wants to work through you. Pray to him. Talk to him. Don't worry about, you know, you hear these people that pray for three hours a day. Thank God for them because they make this whole world work out somehow that I don't even understand. But you don't have to have that. It says pray continuously throughout your day. You're at the ATM getting some cash out. God, please make me have cash in my account. Right? Little joke. God, please show me who I need to bless. Show me what I need to do with this money. Please help me get this money over to wherever I need to go. Just conversation. You're texting your husband or your wife daily. Just talk to God. It'll develop. It may turn into some special, like you may become an intercessor, someone who prays three hours a day. That's not the goal. That's just what happens sometimes. People get set on fire with prayer and they just can't stop. Start where you're at. Pray. Join us tonight. We have our prayer night tonight. Last week was powerful. And I, I, I don't just say this to get people in the room, but I believe tonight God has a huge plan and a purpose for tonight's prayer service. And if you're able to make it, we would love for you to be here. Last week we had our, our largest prayer gathering that we've had since we've been at this church. And it was, I mean, it was meaningful for me changed some things in me, and I really would love for you guys to be a part of that with us uh, as we have it tonight and then next Sunday also. I want to share a story with you, and at this this time, you can kind of just be in a prayerful at attitude listening to the story. Um, I think that it goes along with the message about war and how we should be interacting with people and, and others. Um, you may recall from history class that the United States took a while to engage in World War II. We spent the first years maintaining a neutral position. We believed that the war was over there. It wasn't impacting our lives. Eventually it became clear that Hitler and the Axis powers would not stop and the freedom of this entire world was hanging in the balance. When the Japanese bombed our naval base in Pearl Harbor, that provocation was the final straw. Finally, the U.S. entered in D-Day, we joined with the other allied forces as 150,000 troops stormed the beaches of Normandy. The Germans had set about 4 million landmines to protect the beach from such an invasion. They also rained down gunfire on our men 
sacrifices that day were enormous. Thousands of lives were lost, but the engagement was necessary because there was no other way to defeat evil. To win the battle for our lives, we must engage because there is no other way for us to defeat evil. The days of being neutral must be over. We cannot be neutral in this war against the spiritual enemy. It matters for us in our lives, our personal lives. But if you could see outside of your world, like that song said, world outside your window, if you can see outside of your little world here, it means so much more to them, to those outside these walls. We have to do this. We have to find freedom in our lives so that we can take our lives, take Christ outside of these walls in order to help other people find him. And if we don't do that, it just keeps going on the way it is. We have to fight against it. Take your points, take your message notes today, take it home, dig deeper into what this all means. There's more out there. I can't do it all in 35 minutes on a Sunday morning. This is where we have to dig deep. We have to do this. Our lives matter. But there's so many more out there that don't even know God. And they need to have him. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you so much for this group of people here today that you have called. That you have called to be missionaries out into this world, Lord. Missionaries through whatever employer they work for. I ask that you would be that sends them, God. We thank you for that. If there's anyone here today who wants to accept Christ in their life, they want to give their life to Jesus today, I want to give you an opportunity today. And maybe you haven't done this or you have walked away from him and you're ready to come back. I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ today. So it'll be very, very simple. If you just raise your hand when I count to three, I'll pray with you. just pray with me today as a sign of confession of their faith to God, maybe taking your life to another level, another step closer to him through this prayer. God, I give you everything in my life. I surrender everything. I call you the king of my life. I give you my possessions celebrate with those who